Welcome everybody. Marketing, management, money, podcast, all things small business with the fabulous Ethan Miliori <laughs> and his uh, partner in crime, Ryan Murray. Is that, is that us? Yeah. Well enough described? Yes. <laughs> I'm just stuck on the partner in crime. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> you, should, you should be watching out for that. <laughs> Trying to think of all the things we don't want people to know. Well, I <laughs> I felt inspired to say that because mm. it's going to get a little spicy today with the episode. So first off, we're doing a book review of a book that neither you nor I have read. <laughs> well, the book's not out there yet, but... Uh, oh, you shouldn't have said that. It was more fun to say <laughs> that we were doing a book review of something we haven't read. <laughs> well, there's a reason why we haven't read it, but the uh, kind of the pre... Uh, Precursor to it, you know, the, what's the formal name when they release something? Uh, God, it slipped my mind. Like, uh, like the pr- preview, preview of it. Okay. You know, Cause there's some information out there on it that, uh, is kind of fascinating that, does uh, I think what drew our attention. Oh, oh okay. So let's, we'll, we'll, we'll put a, a plug out there for it's Diana Kander, uh, is releasing a book called go big or go home. Five ways to create a customer experience that will close the deal. And it is releasing on uh, March 28th, so here uh, shortly. But uh, I, uh, I and, and disclaimer, we have not read it, so we're not necessarily promoting this book. However, the research that she has done is spot on. And, and a lot of the other content she releases is fantastic. Yeah. So, so you know, uh, you, you obviously have more experience with her than I do. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've enjoyed, I follow her a little bit um, and I have enjoyed uh, many of the things I've read that she has written and other colleagues that sometimes she partners with. Yeah. So, uh, so, so we're going on good faith, Diana, that... Uh, <laughs> That this is going to work well for us here. So, um, and the other thing, uh, I, I guess the the topic of today is uh, we're going to talk about like presentations, training, how well people retain information. And, you know, a lot of my experience, so uh, I do a lot of professional trainings. Um, I just, last week, I did two different professional trainings. Uh, one that went exceptionally well and one that didn't. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some stories about uh, what went awry. But, um, hence the partner in crime. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm going to take a slightly different approach because I'm going to use it uh, my focus is more when we do internal trainings because we should be working with and training employees all the time. But just you know, recently, why this one's kind of been more on my mind as well is that um, I'm amazed that you know things that I feel like we've covered and were clear and the expectations were set and and over time it just seems like no one remembers that discussion. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so those training topics, all of a sudden now you're going, wait a minute this isn't accurate anymore or you've missed this piece and, and you've put in, you know, you've misrepresented some, why? Uh, and I'm glad you point that out because I want to look at the two directions here. One, uh, I'm just going to share stories because they're funny. <laughs> and then two, you're going to provide information so that this episode is valuable. <laughs> so that's not like a fair trade. <laughs> <And> deal. <laughs> deal. 
<laughs> no, I'm not just going to share stories because they're funny, but I am going. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so I, I, I want to kick it off with, uh, so what you sent me, the preview on the book, uh, it has this concept of the forgetting curve. Yes. How quickly we forget something. So I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell this out and then I'll let you kind of like maybe fill in the gaps if I, right, if I miss anything. Here. Perfect. So, uh, so basically, you're you're looking at this, uh, you know, the, the, this graph here, and so uh, you've got uh, the days since your presentation. So those are extending out on the horizontal axis, and then how much they remember uh, in a percentage coming up the vertical axis. And it's kind of this slippery slope; it's sliding down. And so when you uh, when you first give someone information then, you know, the immediate recall is 100%. However, uh, so I was listening to a podcast. Um, it was actually a, a podcast about how to uh, better learn a foreign language. And it was talking about short-term memory. And, uh, and I've heard different numbers about this, but this is, this is pretty consistent in that uh, if I were to give you a sequence of, you know, like random numbers or random words, mm-hmm. you're going to remember about seven. And then it's all going to just start to mush together. Right. And, you know, and, and so even when this says immediate recall, I'm going to say, well, that kind of depends on how much, uh, right. you know, uh, how, how much other information is coming at you at the same time. And so, yeah, you'll have immediate recall. But the second that you start to fill that bucket with something else, then that's gone, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so now I'm, I'm back to the podcast that I was listening to uh, about, uh, you know, learn, learning a foreign language. Uh, it was uh, super fascinating because it talked about there are some people who they, their brain retains everything and it's considered a mental illness because it's like overload. I would love that mental illness. Well, you would think so, but, but look, at I, I call it brain constipation because, <laughs> you know... <laughs> You're, 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 you're backed up and nothing's coming out like it's supposed to. Like, but, but See, think of it that, that way. It reminds me of a, I think it's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but, it's but it falls we, into the, in those, we, we, we do uh, list this category. As, as, as cle- oh, if it's a yeah. dad joke. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, so we, we can do stale jokes. Okay. Here, here, I don't think we've ever done a joke on here, have we? Okay. So well, here we try to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh at ourselves. <laughs> So do trees poop? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> of course they do. How else would we get number two pencils? See, okay, so is, anyway, we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> that is the funniest joke I've heard in a long time. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> <laughs> you know you liked it and you're going to tell your kids. I, I might actually tell them, but I don't know that I like Maybe I did. I don't know. I can't admit on, on air that this is something okay. that I liked. All right, enough for... Okay, so brain constipation. Everyone thinks it would be great to retain everything, but picture if you, like, you know, if you're constipated and you just keep eating food and, like, all the problems. Like, you, you want to get rid of the waste. Yeah. And how much waste do we have in our lives? Like, you know, I, I see... 
you know, a car that drives past me and, you know, like if I happen to notice the license plate of that car, do I really want to retain that for the rest of my life or is that waste? See, when you sell it that way, then yeah, I don't want that mental illness. Yeah. And so some people, they can't turn their brain off and it causes a lot of stress in their brain. I'm sure that it causes some malfunction to some degree. Well, that's, you know, I don't, I know it's been a long time since we had the conversation, but it's, uh, do you remember when uh, we were talking about uh, highly intelligent kids? Uh, it's been a long time. Anyways, highly intelligent kids, okay. kids that are um, not, not necessarily IQ. Okay, we're not talking IQs. Highly intelligent uh, has other factors besides mm-hmm. just IQ. Anyways, um, highly intelligent kids... Um, have a tendency to work their way through problems. Mm-hmm. But yet, because their brain isn't fully developed, sometimes they don't have the mental capacity to work their way through it. So so um, it was interesting that um, you have to have a conversation with them to walk them through it so that they can put their mind at ease. So, mm. so I, yeah. don't, I think we were talking that um, if we go camping... And they're watching the news and they see, you know, the last few years there's been some horrible forest fires in California. Well, they associate the forest fires with a forest. That's all they associate it with. They don't associate it with California being, you know, 12 hours away and no way that fire is ever getting here. But so all of a sudden you're saying, hey, we're going to go camping this weekend. Well, and they don't want to go because they're associating the fire with a forest. Mm -hmm. They don't have some of those other connector dots, so they're highly intelligent um, in a weird way, doesn't allow them to, to do that. So they, they're trying to process it, process it, process it, um, but they tend to not be able to let it go. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, so you have to walk them through to show them, no, California here, yeah. So, so our brain is set up to let stuff go, to get rid of the waste so that we're not, you know, stressed out, you yeah. know, can't function because we're crippled with anxiety or fear. You know, so our, our brain is supposed to forget stuff, uh, you know, by design. And, and, and so if you look at this forgetting curve, they're saying, you know, right as soon as the information is given, you know, you've got 100% immediate recall, okay, which I'm going to argue that it's probably not 100%. You know, if you pulled 100 people in a room and just asked them how much they remembered, yeah, I don't think you would get that. So, but 20 minutes later, that drops down to about 60% recall. Which is, supports your argument. Yeah. As soon as something else, distraction comes in or fills that bucket, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Within one hour, we're down to about 50% recall. And by the end of the week, we've more or less forgotten it. And so if you do a training... You know, an internal training, or in my case, if I'm doing a professional training, uh, you know, let's just stick internal for a second. So if you're training your employees, you just have to understand that a week later, they're going to forget a lot, almost everything that was said in that training. And so, so we want to talk about what do you do? You know, I mean, how do you combat that? Um, but then we'll, we'll, we'll share some examples. So, so why don't we jump into, you know, some quick overview when you do trainings? Well, let me share an example just from yesterday. You know that, um, we generally do our junior entrepreneur, uh, camp Mm -hmm. in the summer, but this year, 
uh, we decided to try to do it earlier. And so we're just starting it and you've helped us in the past with oh, some okay. of that stuff. So anyway, so we did a one just yesterday on that. And one of the fun things I love to do, and this goes along. So even if you're in business, this is probably going to make you think about your business name. But when we talk about business names, mm-hmm. um, we always tell them, look, it needs to be easily recognized, easily remembered. Okay. And explain a little bit about what you do. So if they see it, they, they know exactly what's going on. Okay. That's why you hate the name of the podcast. Yes. Marketing Cause money, money should be first. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> um, even though it's not podcast names, not bad. I just think money should be first. So anyways, I always share an example of a, of a fairly complex business name. And I actually say the name three times. Okay. okay? But then I go on and I say, um, this is what they should have named it so that it was easily remembered, easily recognized, etc. So, and I give a couple other names. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not, not even five minutes has gone by. And I can turn and look to all those youth and say, all right, for $5, who can tell me the name of the company that we talked about in the beginning that just had a horrible name? Almost, I've had it, I've paid out five bucks once. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but I can always ask tell me some of the other names that I proposed and they can because they're usually tied to a location or a city or something that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're able to retain and recall that because it was something that they could connect with. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I think, okay, going back to, uh, some of the research in the book, uh, you know, she ties your, your presentation, your training. She, she's got this, what she calls a magic moments map. And it's this idea of how do you emotionally charge or emotionally connect your your brain to an event. And but let me let's put a precursor in there and why okay. she says that's important. Okay. And she uses the example that um, you know, if I ask what you did in August fifth of, you know, twenty twenty two, most people are not gonna be able to tell you unless it was something like a wedding. Mm-hmm. Okay or a birthday, or something that had an emotional connection to that day that then solidifies it deeper into our memory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, which, uh, I don't know if I want to go, I do want to talk about, I've got, I've got my own personal theories on this. Uh, yeah, I'll go into it right now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not into depth. So, disclaimer, this is just Ryan flying off the, the handle, <laughs> think it out loud, right? So if we know that uh, can, you know, putting uh, emotion behind something is going to spark our, you know, our, our memory, um, what happens when we live without emotion? So are people who are more emotional? And when I say emotional, we immediately have the stereotype of drama, and I'm like, but that's not it. But that's not it. You know, you can you can have a happy emotion, you can have a sad emotion, you can have an angry emotion, you can have a peaceful emotion. You know, so there there's a plethora of emotions. But think about when you feel dead inside, you're empty, right? And so I just wonder, people who live their lives more emotional, do they have better memory recall overall? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't I wonder, either. I wonder if she'll address that in the book. You know, maybe. That, I would, I would we'll, like to we'll know, know here that. in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and so that that would be fascinating. But okay, so jumping back to these magic moments, 
what she's talking about is she's saying, how do you create the emotion? And me going back to the podcast that I just recently listened to uh, that was talking about how to retain um, and so it was specifically talking about vocabulary, so foreign language vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And it said, look, you've got to put some emotion to it, and you've got to take those words and you've got to put a, uh, you know, put an image in your mind about, you know, what the, what the emotion would be and something you can relate to. And so, you know, he would take a word mm-hmm. in a foreign language and he would be like, oh, this sounds like, you know, to me it sounds like baby and I can picture a baby crying right now. And, you know, and, and, and he would go through you know, and, and do this exercise. And when I first heard him do this exercise, he took about five minutes on the podcast to explain it. I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, I couldn't do that for every single word. You know, if I'm trying to get right. through, you know, 100 new vocabulary words and I got to take five minutes per, that, you know, that just seems so unfeasible. And he made this comment. He's like, how much time do you spend trying to recall stuff and you also get better at it? He's like, I, he said, mm-hmm. I've done it so much that I just naturally can do this with, without even thinking. It's second nature now that I'll put associations to new things that I'm trying to remember. Wow. And, you know, and he, he's on his fifth language that he's learning, you know. And, wow. and so, you know, kind, kind of a cool concept. So the idea is you want to create these magic moments, these associations, these emotional, you know, associations. And, and she points out that you... You want to control it, not because uh, most of you know. I, in a lot of in a lot of presentations, the thing that people point out is they start with a joke to kind of get you, and then I just you know, if anyone starts with a joke, my first thought since we started the podcast with a joke, <laughs> if anyone starts it with, <laughs> with a joke, my next thought don't, is this: don't don't finish. This presentation's going to be horrible. <laughs> Why did you have to put it out there? <laughs> oh, goodness. That's hilarious. <laughs> we think that's but hilarious. My, I wasn't planning on using a joke. You prompted it. So, <laughs> But I like the fact that she she says, you, you want to control that so that you're prompting the audience. You're getting the engagement. It's consistent interaction. That's what I love about about it is that it's not the one-offs or just happen to happen type of a thing mm-hmm. that that you're trying to master that. Yeah. Well, I love uh, in, in her summary, uh, she makes this comment. She says, if you don't know when your magic moment is, you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. So I said that I was going to share some experiences. I recently just uh, completed two trainings. The first one was a customer service training. And you know, so for those of you who follow the podcast, uh, we actually did the same customer service training here on the podcast uh, just a couple months ago. So if you want to follow that series, uh, you can actually listen to that that full training. When we did it on the podcast, I mean, we like to banter back and forth, but right. it was it was pretty much just sharing the information, sharing the content of that training. When I do it in a live training, I can tell you exactly what my magic moment is, and that is I do a dance off. Oh, that's right. You do do that, huh? Yeah. And I am shocked. So I've done this training several times now. The first time I did it, I was so nervous. I'm like, are adults actually going to get up and dance in front of each other? (laughs) I can tell you every single time I've done this, they always get into it. Like they have so much fun with it. Do you have a a consistent song you use? Sorry, chasing Mm. a squirrel. Uh, so I started like Saturday night fever or something like that. <laughs> so, 
Um, I I used to do Uptown Funk. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. You know, like everyone knows that song. Right. It's a really popular song, and uh, it's it's got a good. You know, it's got a good beat to it. The BPMs yeah. are about 115. I know. You're like, why do you even know that? You know, so the well, BPMs are about 115. You do a lot with music. And, I do know that. And and so it's it's fast enough that it's got a groove, but it's not so fast. And so it's a little bit easier to dance to. I've never had anyone that I would consider a good dancer. Um, they're usually like when I watch them, they're usually <laughs> off rhythm and, uh, but they have fun with it. Like they're just shaking their booty and, you know, oh, trying goodness. to do the worm and they're not good at it. And, you know, and the audience is just like hooping and hollering oh, and they're always yeah. recording it and it ends up on social media. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, so the funny thing is is that dance-off doesn't have a ton to do with the training. You know, it's a customer service training. Mm -hmm. And I, I threw it in to create a magic moment. That is why it is in that live training is because I end with that and I want everyone smiles on their faces and laughing when they leave the training. Because mm -hmm. here's the crazy thing. If you feel good when you leave, the training was a success. If you feel bad when you leave, the training was a failure. It doesn't matter what the training right. was. And, and, and that, like, I'm not just saying that casually. I'm telling you, if you are a business owner and you are trying to train your employees, if they feel good at the end, they will have a better association of training. They will retain more. They will look forward to trainings in the future. If the ending of it is just... Yeah. Everyone feels bad and <laughs> we're bored and we're tired. And and I hate when people make comments like, I've had you here all day. It's been long enough. Uh, we're finally going to let you go. I mean, it makes it sound like a prison sentence. And right. people have that association right. of, oh, training is bad. Right. And I'm like, no, training is great. Or I'm, I'm the one keeping you between you and your lunch. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> The negative, when you draw into those negative emotions, it, it does. It takes away from something that is potentially really good. Which, so last night, uh, my son made the soccer team. They had the, uh, you know, the welcome meeting. And the coach, the first thing that he gets up and says, and they always do this, is he's like, I know you've got more important things to do, so we're going to keep this quick so you can get to that. And I'm like, you just told me that your meeting is not important. Important. Yeah. Me watching TV is more important <laughs> than this meeting. So why did you make me come? <laughs> you know? oh, so, so don't introduce your meeting by saying, I know that you guys have more important things to do, so we'll make this yeah. quick. You yeah, if, if it's a meeting and it's important, don't don't downplay it. Yeah. The, the way that I actually handle that, so I always tell people, I say, I appreciate that you guys are giving me your time. And so since you have shown me respect, I will show you respect and make sure that we end this meeting on time. Yeah. And, and I try and let them know that I'm like, hey, this is important and I value your time and I right. am honored that you are willing to spend your time with me. It's a much more positive take on, oh, training is good, not <laughs> waste of my time. <laughs> So the other one, the other training that I did, and they were they were just a few days apart. The way that it ended is so we were talking, and this was a different a different training. And part of the training is they wanted to improve some communication. Well, it was brought up in the training that there were some internal communication 
problems between upper management and supervisors. And so I actually, in the training, I brought those up and I said, okay, let's identify where the problems are. Well, someone made a comment that was, you know, pointed at upper management, you know, like, hey, they never listen, they don't care about us, blah, 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 blah. Well, the way that this group dealt with it is they brought HR in. And so the way that the training ended was with HR giving their final, you know, so like I finished up and then HR came up and said, now, before we let everyone go, we want to let you know that this is how we deal with things and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's horrible, horrible. And I had one of the people in the training, she was engaged the entire time. It was a full day training, you know, so mm. we, we, we did, it was probably about seven hours worth of training, right? Wow. She was engaged the entire time, loved it, very, you know, mm-hmm. participating and everything. And the thing that she said to me as I was leaving, and she's like, I hope someone doesn't lose their job over this. I felt terrible. Like I felt <laughs> horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, I get to hear wow. more details, but off, off the <laughs> air. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the training was a, f- a phenomenal success. Like everyone was engaged. We got yeah. people, you know, uh, when, when I go into a room, people think seven hours of training, we're going to talk about a bunch of, you right. know, topics. It's going to be yeah. horrible. And then when they see the engagement and the conversation, I'm like, this is great. Why did we have to bring HR in at the end to do a witch hunt? Like, mm. just let it go, you yeah. know? So someone made well, a should, comment, but who well, cares? That, that was a major, major management pas because they should have addressed that at a different time. Yes. Yeah. Because wow. now, now it's almost like the made you the executioner. Well, here's the crazy thing. I'm in the middle of the training <laughs> and someone from HR wants to talk to me and I'm just like, hey, um, like I'm still in front of the room. Can I talk to you later? Like literally, I've never had that happen to me before. I'm like, really? You want to talk now? That's you, awesome. You know, <laughs> I'll stick around. I'll talk to you all day long, but let's not do it in front of everyone during the training. <laughs> Uh, they were just trying to start a magic moment, man. Come it, on. It, oh, it was a magic. It was memorable. <laughs> and and I guess that, that's part of the point that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, emotions are positive. Emotions are negative. Yeah. If all of a sudden you feel threatened, you'll remember what was said. That's right. Know. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was... <laughs> It was it was interesting to have two trainings back to back, one that ended so well and the other one that ended just so rough. Ooh. Uh, so right. <laughs> <laughs> I killed it right there. Yeah. You're like, how do, how, how do you top that one? I think we covered yeah. everything we need to cover. <laughs> no, but I I'm just I, trying to think oh, think of something positive. Think of something positive. <laughs> I, I, I do want to, uh, we've, we've kind of bounced around a little bit, and I do want to put some, some takeaways, some action points uh, to this episode. And, and so uh, first takeaway is that uh, training is important. You need to be doing it internally. Even if you're doing external training, you know, if you're bringing someone yes. in from the outside, very valuable, but definitely and, internal. And one thing to remember that internal trainings, 
if I'm not the right person to do it, but I want um, my employees to have that training, uh, find resources out there, whether that's uh, LinkedIn learning, whether that's I'm bringing someone in. Don't, you know, sometimes I, I just see too many people who try to do internal trainings that aren't fully qualified to do it. Yes. And so it, the training can never really be that great. And, and so that's what it just gets played down as, oh no, not again. Versus, hey, are we really looking to do professional development? Are we really trying to do things that will allow us to be more uh, efficacious in the things that we do? So, so keep that in mind that if you're, if you're really not the right person. Um, okay, how do you know? Like, what, what are the things to look for? What makes the right person and the wrong person? Because I will tell you this. Uh, expertise in the subject matter ranks pretty low on my list for good trainers. If I want expertise, give them an article. Like, hey, here's the best minds in the world. They wrote an article. Read the article. But there has to be a combination. Now, they cannot be ignorant in the subject or unqualified. But but they don't have to be the best. But see, that's still a better That's a better training or model of a training to say, hey, look, here's an article I really loved. Here's employees. As part of our training, we're going to discuss this article, okay, where now they have to read it. They have to come to their own insights. They have to do it versus me just lecturing them about something that they have no connection with. Mm-hmm. So so putting it out there for them to review and understand and comprehend before you do the training. Yeah, and I say trainings vary because sometimes trainings are are you know programmatic. You know, we just got to clean up some stuff and some operations. Uh, other times it's actually, hey, you know, we're trying to, uh, implement something new that we, you know, we need to have us help grow. Um, on the hand, sometimes training are just self-motivating ones. Yeah. So I am going to put this tip out there. Uh, distinguish between how uh, policy and procedural the training is versus how, uh, you know, motivational and visionary the training is. If it's policy and procedural, make sure that you're documenting that that training took place. Even if the training sucks, make sure you're documenting that that training took place because as your business grows, as you get bigger, there will come a day where someone will be disgruntled, something will happen, and if you can show that, hey, every six months we have talked about you know, <clears throat> what is appropriate, what is inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done some harassment training, uh, you know, policies and procedures, made sure that people know to follow policies and procedures. And then that way, if someone doesn't follow the policy and procedure and they signed, uh, you know, uh, an attendance sheet that says, well, right. you were in the training. Well, that training sucked. Well, you should have said something then, not six months later when you're not following policies and procedures and you're getting fired because of it. Yeah. You know, so if it is a procedural type training, make sure that you're documenting, keeping those logs. Um, you know, I like to have people sign their name, you know, so you write their name down and just have them sign that they were in attendance. All that they are acknowledging is that they were in attendance. They don't have to agree or disagree, love the training right. or anything. They're just acknowledging they're in attendance. But but don't make the mistake of, hey, this is just a procedural thing, so we're just going to pound out. Still do some things to make the training enjoyable because the problem is you're going to get into the pattern that it's just a training. We're just going to pound through this one, and then before you know it, that becomes the culture of the company. The trainings are, oh, no, not again. You know, that's, that's a good point. I love pop quizzes with silly rewards. Yeah. 
like pop quizzes with real threats are horrible. <laughs> Get those out of there. You know, like if people feel like you're on a witch hunt, it's like a drug test where it's like all of a sudden you're going in for a drug test. Everyone starts thinking, oh, so who's on drugs and why am I being brought in for a drug test? Yeah. You know, they're trying to find somebody and they just had to pad it with enough people so it right. doesn't look targeted. That's a bad well, culture. Well, and that's, and that was, uh, <clears throat> and I don't remember who I was listening to. I, I'll probably have to go dig it up and probably give the source later. But uh, that was the the comment that they made as I was studying some organiza- studying some organizational uh, building type principles. Mm-hmm. That um, you you can penalize all you want, but very few people actually are successful with implementing growth strategies through penalties. Yeah. Okay. So, but. Uh, there's a lot of examples that um, show that if you want growth and you correlate it with openly recognized rewards, it's a better driver for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the pop quiz with the, the silly rewards, you know, if you ask people a question like, according to the employee handbook, which one of these is not okay? And if someone gets it, give them a couple movie passes. Like there's there's no punishment for, oh, you didn't read the employee handbook. But if they know that there's like, oh, if I know some of that obscure stuff in the employee handbook, I'll score a couple movie passes. Yeah. Cool, you know. And, and, and so I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I love playing the, you know, what would you do game okay, here's a scenario. You know, like if you've got some managers, put a scenario up and just be like, all right, is this harassment or is this just assertive management? I always miss those. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I I think there are good ways that you can do that. And and now I want to jump on to the, you know, visionary uh, motivational type trainings. It's important to mix in. You know, you need to have some trainings. I love doing personal development trainings, trainings that they can take outside of the job. Right. People are very engaged with those trainings. And you'll get you, you'll get your return on investment for your employees because they'll use it in the job, but they'll use it outside of the job. You know, like what motivates them or personality trainings or, you know, if you, uh, you know, if, if, if you've put stuff together that they're like, oh, I can use this with my kids you know, they're, they're going to naturally engage in that training, but they're also going to use that with, you know, their employees. No, I didn't, <clears throat> I don't remember reading anything that uh, Diana had mentioned in kind of that preface to her book, but I do know that um, there's good documentation that shows that the better the relationship between two individuals uh, the more likely information is received in a positive way. So meaning, as if I'm doing an internal training, uh, employees that I have very little interaction with to no interaction, that training tends not to be received as well. So, um, so if you'll notice, um, it's not uh, uncommon for amazing presenters to be mingling in amongst the crowd mm-hmm. and they do it for the sole reason of making a connection because if there's a connection or I feel a bond or a connection there, the presentation tends to go better. The information is received better and retained more so that that's why they kind of 
wander before. When they take a break, they, you know, wander in amongst the people. Hey, you know what? How did you do on this little piece? What are your thoughts about this? So that, that's why they do that is to build that connection. Well, that's an important thing that you have to remember internally on internal organizational trainings. If you're having lots of interaction, and sometimes interaction is just the, how's your family doing? Hey, how's little Johnny? How, you know, did he make the soccer team type of a thing? Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be work-related. You just need to find things to start building that connection so that when you do do trainings, uh, you just have a, a higher impact. But only ask the question if you at least care at some level. Uh, that's right. It, it can't be fake. <laughs> yeah. And How, how's your family <clears throat> doing? Well, when I told you 15 minutes ago, apparently you didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to, and I'm the <clears throat> one of those people that I – this is that comments made for me a lot because I think a lot about it because you know I'm I'm not highly introverted but I'm introverted meaning I, a lot of times I'm stuck in my own thoughts my own head it's not that I don't care about people um, it's that I I'm not naturally gregarious and want to have a social conversation over the water but, bottle but so I have to work at really doing that to have those conversations and and take the time to say hey. I do need to build relationships because I know in the long run they're significant. But there's an easy alternative here. So everyone always teaches that you have to know something about their, you know, their personal mm -hmm. life, their family, you know, remember their name and all that kind of stuff. You actually don't. Those are good things. They work. You just need to have a common factor. Yeah. And so you could ask, yeah. so what do you think of this training so far? Should we do trainings like this in the future? Right. And all of a sudden, they now have some buy-in, right? You know, because they were asked their opinion, you respected their opinion, and you don't necessarily have to remember that you know Johnny plays hockey, not soccer. All right, did we did we finally beat the horse this time? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So. Now should we make another fou pas? Leave yes. everyone with a joke? No. Oh no! Give, give me give me your best joke. I don't have any more. Really? <laughs> you have one joke. I, yeah, I have, I have one joke. I just don't remember jokes. <laughs> and if I do, then it's a miracle. So you saw the one miracle today. Okay. That was a super anticlimactic ending. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.